Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to yet again another week's podcast on the tour portion. This is Ryan Cabrera with the Bait Tehila Community Podcast, and I'm here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. And so uh, to start off the podcast this week, we have uh, some exciting stuff going on. Uh, you know, we've yet to really look at the statistics or talk about anything about um, what's gotten out there into the airwaves. And uh, believe it or not, um, you know, I think we're all in our own little bubble sometimes, but we have people from all over the world listening. And so um, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to know that we really appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate the audience. But check this out. So that we have the, the United States listening. That's obviously the number one uh, place where people are listening from. And, and I can break that down into states and cities and whatnot. But what's also exciting is we have several countries. And I'm just going to list some countries. So the number uh, two country is South Africa. Um, so if you're in South Africa, thanks for listening, guys. We, um, we love you. We want to just let you know that we appreciate you listening and sharing the podcast because there's a good number of, uh, of folks listening over there. Also in Japan, Canada, the United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, Puerto Rico, Israel, uh, Russia, Pakistan, Indonesia, Poland, Brazil, Turkey, Sweden, India, Egypt, France, Romania, Nigeria, Vietnam, Taiwan, Ecuador, Namibia, and the Ukraine. Now that is awesome. I have to say I was not expecting. I saw this and I got so excited because, you know, sometimes, you know, we're here in our little our little studio aka Pastor Nick's office here uh on the Beit Tehillah campus. And, uh, you know, I think that we didn't realize. And, and so it's, it's exciting. We love the Torah, uh, and, and we're just trying to get God's Word out to the people so that uh, other people can develop a love for the Torah as well. And so um, without further ado to that, I just, again, thank you guys so much. Uh, we're going to jump right into the Torah portion for this week, which is uh, Mishpatim, if you're from Florida, or it's Mishpatim, if you are listening to the guys from Aleph Beta, Rabbi Foreman and some other folks. Um, and this is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 21, verse 1, through chapter 24, verse 18. And mishpatim in Hebrew means ordinances or judgments. And so uh, let's go ahead and get started. Pastor Nick, what do you think? This is very good. I want to start right out of the gate with reading Exodus 21, verses 1 and 2. Now these are the judgments, or the mishpatim, which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out for nothing. Once again, think of this uh, type of the uh, you know situation as being like an employer and an employee. Uh, it's kind of interesting as you begin to look at this, even in the Mishpachah, the family setting, uh, this isn't like slavery, like the Civil War or anything like that. Uh, this is a different type of servitude, okay? And uh, it's some interesting questions here. Question number two, if he was married before becoming a servant, could he leave his wife? Yes, he could. Exodus 21.3. Now, what would happen to the servant's wife and children when he left if they were given to him by his master? They uh, would stay with the master. They would. Exodus yep. 21.4, question number three. And then, of course, uh, if the servant loved his master, his wife and children, what had to happen in order for him to stay? Uh, there had to be uh, judges or witnesses um, to to this matter, 
And uh, then he would get an ear piercing where they would take an awl and uh, hammer it on the in the doorpost. And then uh, he would then be committing at that point to serve his master forever. To serve forever. So who's the master? Uh, Yahweh. That's right. Yahweh, Hashem, our, our Father, our Heavenly Father, God. He is the master, and we are the servants. Uh, could the master sell his maidservant to whom he was betrothed to a strange nation? No. No, he could not. He could not. Once again, you got to keep it in the family. You got to stay within the confines of tribes of of the Commonwealth of Israel. I love that. Now, if the master wanted to betroth the maidservant to his son, was she to be treated like a daughter? Absolutely. You know uh, what I find interesting about this whole you know thing about the servants and indentured servitude. When this is an economic system, and the, these laws are dealing with the economic system uh, of the day. Uh, anybody who has a job is trading something for something else. And so that's that's the economic incentive in this case is a paycheck. Uh, in, in the case of a servant, the master then had laws uh, put forth in the Torah where he had to care for their needs, feed them, clothe them, provide them shelter, so on and so forth. And then, uh, which you'll find later on in the Torah, are the laws about releasing a servant and how that once the servant had served for a certain amount of time, that the master was then uh, obligated to set them up for success going forward. So they had to provide them the resources to go out on their own. And so this is almost like an apprenticeship uh, more than it was slavery, quote unquote, like we'd look at today. And I think that that's really important because I think the, the naysayers, and they go against the Old Testament or the Bible, will say, well, slavery was in the Bible. Well, not in the way that we think about it today when we think of uh, African Americans and, uh, and, and other slaves um, that were brought over from other countries here into the Americas and were mistreated and somebody owned them as personal property, that they were deemed less than human uh, and things like that. N- none of that was going on here, and that is absolutely not in any way, shape, or form condoned uh, by the Bible, God, biblical principles, the church, the synagogue, uh, in any way, shape, or form. You know, I like this. If the master wanted to betroth the maidservant to his son, how many that that uh, Yahweh has a son? His name is Yeshua, mm. and so we would be like the maidservants. And so it says that she was to be treated like a daughter. The answer is yes. And as we move on, uh, we'll look at the uh, question number seven, uh, Exodus chapter twenty-one, verses twelve through fourteen. What is the penalty for murdering another person? Death. We would call that capital punishment. Now, once again, there are accidents that happen, and that's why we have the six cities of refuge that you could run to until the case was heard. Uh, nobody gets off scot-free, you know. And once again, I just want to remind everyone that there is no prison system in the Torah portions. Uh, within the Torah itself, there is no there is no prison system. And so let's just think about that. Uh, once again, uh, capital punishment is found in the Bible. Some people are against it, and I, and I respect that. I understand that. But once again, we're just looking at the teachings and instructions of our Heavenly Father uh, in regards to the kingdom of God. So uh, what is the penalty for striking your parents? And of course, what is the penalty for cursing your mother or father? Death and death. So uh, something not to be taken lightly, you know, it's very interesting. It says that children will become disobedient to parents. It's in one of Paul's letter, uh, letters to Timothy. He makes reference to children will become disobedient to parents. And uh, actually there's verses talking about women and children will rule over you. Uh, when you see something like that in the Bible, uh, it means that there's a breakdown, of course, in the divine order. Mm-hmm. Once again, if you can destroy the family... 
you can destroy the society. Remember that. If you can destroy the family unit or the institution of the family, you can, you can destroy society and bring great harm to it. So we're going to move on. Those are some pretty serious things. You need to respect your uh, parents, honor your parents. Uh, even even in their passing and you're still alive, you honor them with your life mm. and you carry on that name. Remember that, you know, you honor your mother and father even after their death uh, with your life. Uh, question number 10, what is the judgment on someone who physically hurts another but does not kill him? Exodus 21, 19, verse uh, yeah, verse 19 of Exodus 21. This is pretty cool. It says, If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. So uh, if the person is smote and doesn't die, then uh, it is then the obligation of the person who caused the injury to not only... Uh, pay for the loss of time, but also to cause this person not just to be healed, but to be thoroughly healed and be made completely whole. And this comes into that idea that we're going to talk about in the next question. This would be a form of, of restitution. Restitution. Uh, Exodus chapter 21, uh, verse 24, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Uh, once again, we have this this idea of restitution. Uh so it's not an eye for a hand or a hand for a tooth. Notice it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. This is about restitution. And where do we hear this reference? But in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, here's Yeshua uh, in reference to this particular uh, instruction. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek... Turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You know, this is like restoration or restitution on steroids. This is like taking restitution to a whole nother level. You know, so we thought, wow, here's the Old Testament. Here's teachings and instructions. Here's the Torah. But Yeshua says, you have heard that it hath been said. Okay. But he says, but I say unto you, you know, he's talking about going the distance, going the extra mile, that even in this particular case, you know, be able to to be able to handle more, be able to handle more situations, uh, not just that particular instance, but be, to be able to take on a lot more than what you think you can handle. Absolutely. Uh, because once again, it, it's making reference to there is evil. You know, there is evil. Yep. Uh, it actually says, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Because a lot of this is done under the influence of the enemy. Yeah, and I think that also that when you take a look at the Torah, and the Torah's instructions for righteous living, that when you go through these things, this is uh, instructions for the, the uh, I don't know, what do you want to call it, the defendant maybe? That if you've uh, harmed somebody on an accident or you, you've caused a problem, that this is how you make it right. Uh, and that what I think too many times is we're pointing, we're playing the victim and pointing at what other people are supposed to be doing in order to make a restitution. Really, that's not our place. Our place in what Yeshua is teaching is that when, when we are harmed, our job is to be above reproach and forgiveness and mercy and loving kindness, just like the Lord has been to us, because to whom much is given, much is required. And we've literally received everything, dump trucks of grace, dump trucks of love, dump trucks of mercy just poured out on top of us. 
uh, so much so that God gave His only Son, as we know. You know, uh, now if, if we think that this is some form of slavery like the Civil War, let's just look at question number 12. Is a servant allowed to leave his master if he loses an eye or a tooth because of an altercation? Exodus 21, verses 26 and 27. Yeah. yeah. Now, were the slaves mistreated in America? Was, was was there a lot of abuse among slavery? Yes, there was. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of them question. were beaten to death, or, or they were not allowed to leave if they were chastised or whatever. But here it is. If a servant is... is they are allowed to leave if harm was brought to them. They got hurt or lost an eye or a tooth, an altercation. So once again, that's a clear distinction between the slavery of civil war and, and, and 3,500 years ago of, of actually being a servant, uh, indentured servant. Um uh, what is the only way the owner of an ox can be put to death? Exodus twenty one twenty nine, question number thirteen. What is the only way the owner of an ox can be put to death? If the if the ox had previously um, caused problems and the owner ignored those problems, and then upon the problem arising again, at that point the owner is then fully liable as if they had done it themselves. Very good, very good. Once again, we have to be responsible for our pets, our animals. I know Ryan's got a, a petting zoo out there at his house, <laughs> and uh, he knows which ones bite and which ones don't, but they seem all docile, and it seems like they, they kind of run away from you, so they're not really violent. You, you want to pet them, but you can't. But that's okay. Uh, you know, that's probably a safe uh, animal to have. Uh, what is a man to repay if he steals an ox or a sheep? Uh, this is interesting. So it's five ox for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. I thought, I mean... You know if these arbitrary numbers or not, but uh, this is uh, full restitution uh, plus plus some. So five times for an ox and four times for a sheep was the penalty. Now, what's really interesting about the Torah is how it was put into use, uh, and we're going to see an example here in Second Samuel. You can read this later, Second Samuel chapter twelve, verses one through fourteen. I would like to point out verse six. Once again, this is. Uh, Nathan the prophet is going to confront David. Look what David says in verse 6 here to Nathan. Uh, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. So Nathan's trying to tell a story about how a sheep was taken, okay, from the fold and, and, and stolen and taken. And so David knew the Torah. He knew the teachings and instructions. And he knew that he would have to replace four of those sheep. Well, anyway... Nathan goes on to tell David, and in, in, of course, 2 Samuel 12, 7, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that, that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such a thing. So because he took... Uh, Bathsheba, away from Uriah the Hittite, he had stolen a sheep. And so Nathan mm. exposes him. And, and this is uh, actually where uh, David begins to th contemplate this and even repent. And da I mean, David gave the judgment too. And that's what's interesting. How many of us know the Torah or know what's supposed to be done and don't do it? And so Nathan threw it right back at him. Well, you know, David even said he should die. Yeah, right. That's like being very zealous. Oh, yeah. The Torah doesn't say no, that. It, doesn't. it says four sheep, four sheep. So we're going to move on. We have so much to cover. Uh, this is an incredible, credible Torah portion. It's so relevant, everybody. You need to get off the social media, get off all this other stuff, and get in the Word. Let the Word get in you. The Torah is awesome. I'm telling you, if you mix the Holy Spirit and the Word together, you're going to discover some incredible things about the kingdom. Now, if a person catches a thief in the act of stealing his property and kills him, is the owner liable? 
no, no. Exodus twenty two two. Stand your ground. No, there. no. You're protecting your belongings, your family. So you're actually going to get off. I mean, you're not. You're not liable. Uh, it, it's. It's. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to think about. You know why I like laws like that? I like it because it's a deterrent. You know, because you're going to go steal something knowing that the owner has full rights to to take you out, like Judge Dredd. Oh, I tell you, I am the law. There you go. Question number sixteen: What is the word used to describe paying people back for their property? Exodus chapter twenty-two, verses five, six, and twelve. This is question number sixteen in the Torah questionnaire. What is the word used in the King James? It is restitution. Restitution, making it right, replacing it. Does everybody see that? Restitution. Uh, that's very good. Uh, question number seventeen: If a man entices a maid who is not betrothed and lies with her, what is to happen? Uh, it says, he shall surely uh, endow her to be his wife. Exodus twenty two sixteen. So once again, uh, there's a lot of ignorance out there. A lot of us have made mistakes. A lot of us uh, grew up dating and having multiple partners and different things in, 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 this, in this life, uh, which is not good. You know, I have this quote here. Uh, the perfect relationship is that you marry to bury. So here's a provision here that if you are to have intimacy with somebody and be together as a chad is one, think about this. You are to marry her, uh, and then everything will be okay because you're going to fulfill your responsibilities and your conjugal rights and all of that. I find it very interesting uh, in that regard. So once again, he shall surely endow her to be his wife, Exodus twenty-two sixteen. 16. And then now we're going to switch some gears here. We're talking about... Uh, Intimacy between two people for the first time in that regard, and, and that she should be your wife. And then question number 18, this is very interesting. Are witches allowed to live? Exodus twenty two eighteen. 18. No, it says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Now, once again, and, and I just want to share this, because this word witch uh, means to whisper a spell, i.e. to enchant or practice magic. Sorcerer. Use witchcraft, okay? I mean, think about it, everybody. I mean, you know, and, and the thing is, people are drawn to the supernatural realm, and there are many counterfeits to the Holy Spirit. Uh, examples of the occult in the Bible. Check out some of these words. Divination, familiar spirits, magicians, mediums, necromancers, that's speaking to the dead, soothsayers, sorcerers, sorceries, spiritists, witchcraft, witches, Wizards. I mean, it's all right here. This is all in regard to the occult, to this actual paranormal activity. Absolutely. Now, I'm only going to bring this up because I believe we're living in times of the occult. Oh, absolutely. Listen, either you are in the spirit of the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit fill with the Holy Spirit, or you have another spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And so the word occult is defined as the following hidden or concealed. Secret, esoteric, beyond human understanding, mysterious, designating or of certain mystic arts or studies such as magic, alchemy, astrology, etc. So in common English usage, occult refers to knowledge of the paranormal as opposed to knowledge of the measurable usually referred to as science. This is right out of the Wikipedia. So the spiritual realm existed before the natural realm. Now, here's a quote. 
The danger of the occult is to try to understand and walk in the spiritual realm without the recognition of God. Do we see that a lot today? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And where did occultism come from? It comes from Satan and his fallen angels. And here's one of the major problems that we have today in our current culture. What we've done is we've uh, we've tried to desensitize ourselves and, and our culture to the occult um, by making things seem like, oh, that's not evil and that's not not so bad. Uh, by you know the, the the popular television shows and books and and uh, the things that are are just absolutely not of God, things that God uh, says are abhorrent or detestable or an abomination. And we've started to play with them. And uh, my personal advice to anybody would be that if it's not of God and it's one of those things where there's a question mark on it, avoid it. Because it's better to be safe than sorry, than to dabble in things that you don't understand or to try to placate things or, or blow things off. Why not just go for the things that are holy, the things that are good, the things that are righteous, uh, all the things that Paul talks about that we should meditate on? Those are the things we should focus on and stay away from the things that are, uh, involve witchcraft or wizardry or anything like that. So basically, the occult, the, the, the word actually means hidden. Mm-hmm. And we would say like darkness, Ooh. you know, an occultation, the occult, darkness. Now, you know, I've always had uh, this idea, and, and I've not done an in-depth study, but, I, but, but I'm working on it. But the connotation of darkness, uh, as I'm about ready to reference, is not good, okay? Uh, in Genesis 1-2, it says that darkness was upon the face of the deep. So this is, this is actually between verse 1 and verse 2. Here we have verse 2, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And, and hashek is the Hebrew word, number 2822 in the Strong's Concordance. Now listen to what darkness means. This should actually just be self-explanatory. It literally means darkness. Now, figuratively, it means misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness. This is the connotation. This is the meaning of darkness, choshek, in the Old Testament here. In its first occurrence, it is associated with disorder, okay, and is distinguished and separated from light, Hmm. Genesis 1-4. So you choose the light or the darkness, and I, and I think it's very, very interesting. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 through 23, you're going to have the plague of darkness. It's the same, it's the same word used in Genesis 1-2, chashek, darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Mm. Now, here's what's interesting. You know, as a pastor, I see a lot of people that choose darkness over the light. They'd rather hide in their problems, hide in their habits, Mm. and hide it and be in the darkness, which is misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. And there's no victory. But we want the victory. And the reason why I'm so excited is because when the ninth plague hit in Egypt, Mm. it said that Israel had light. That's right. That's right. They were not in misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. I don't know about you guys, but I'm 50 years old. I don't want darkness. Shine the light, baby. Be a light. Shine the light. Now, now it goes on to say, 
and I don't have time to get into this in great detail, but I had to bring this point out for anybody that's listening to this podcast. You know, in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, they don't even talk about spiritual warfare. You know, they don't even talk about the principalities and different things that are going on and demons and stuff. You know, they just avoid it. Well, the Torah attacks the occult. The Torah goes after these demons, these fallen angels and things. Because even in Isaiah 42, 6 and 7 and verse 7, them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Now, this connotation is about the Messiah. The Messiah is in Isaiah 42. It's all about him being the root of Jesse, the branch and everything else. It's about Yeshua. That's right. And, 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 and so who's sitting in darkness but those that don't have the Messiah? And he says, take them out of the prison house. See, we're in a prison when we're in darkness. That's right. And in verse 8, he goes on to say, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. See, only Jesus can save you. That's right. Only he can bring you out of the darkness. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light. And so it goes on to even talk about in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this world has blinded the mind of those in regard to the gospel. That's right. And now in John, real quick, right? In John, it even references in the very beginning, it says that men love darkness more than the light. Let me encourage you as you're listening to this podcast, go to your father. He knows your sins. He knows your iniquities. He knows your curses. We just had LL ministry here at our congregation, and, and it was awesome. We pushed out darkness. We shined a light on our lives, and lives are being changed. Lives are actually heading in the right direction. And your Father loves you in heaven. He loves you. He already knows what your sins are. Jesus would walk into a room, and he knew everyone's thoughts. So what are you trying to hide from? Don't worry about the shame and the regrets and all. Just press into your Father. He loves you. He's the light, but he can't force you into the light. You have to move towards the light. So Ryan, th that's an incredible it, reference to the occult being darkness, and we are going to come out of it. It is, and check this out. So uh, Paul in 1 Thessalonians um, talks about the end of times, and uh, he here's, here's what it says. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so you jump down a little bit to chapter 5, verse 4, and uh, he, he, or I guess I'll start at, uh, at uh, verse 3. Now let's go ahead and just 5. So, so but, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So he's saying that... Uh, that the, the day of the Lord will come when there's darkness. It says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And here's the contrast. But ye brethren, the believers, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness." And so the point is that we hear these things that are said, the thief in the night and all these things, but guess what? We are children of the light. And because if we stay in the light, then the God is going to protect us. Just as he did the children of Israel and they had light while the Egyptians had darkness, we will have light while others have darkness. And you're going to see here in Malachi 3, 5, it says, And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers. 
and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Look at this. And I will come near to you to judgment, mishpatim. And I will be swift witness against the sorcerers. Look at that. The sorcerers, see? Those that are in witchcraft. And Ryan, this is interesting because we just talked about if a man entices a maid who is not betrothed and lies with her, what is to happen? He shall surely endow her to be his wife. Once again, this is about intimacy between two people. Then he goes into, are witches allowed to live? We say no. Well, guess what? In 19, question 19, what is the punishment for lying with a beast? Death. See, what's happening, Ryan, is that Sexual immorality and science is coming together. There's just these things that are happening that are terrible. They're terrible. And you know what? We just have to be made aware of the seriousness and the repercussions of all of this. So we're going to move on to uh, two things we are not to do to strangers is to vex them or oppress them. And, uh, of course, uh, that's important that we were strangers in a strange land. Be kind to strangers. It's like when you got into the public sector of life. Hold the door for them. Let them go ahead of you, you know. Uh, question number 21. What is going to happen to anyone who afflicts a widow or a fatherless child? Exodus 22, verses 22 through 24. So the, the catch verse there is going to be 23 and 24. It says, If you afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Don't mess with the widows and the orphans. Apparently, Haman did not know this particular scripture or reference. Or maybe he thought he was above God. uh, Because once again, we know that Esther, and Purim is going to be coming up, Esther was an orphan, and he mistreated her. And he died along with his sons. Uh, Once again, the Torah is powerful. Uh, when we lend money to his people, can you charge them interest? Nope. Exodus twenty two twenty five, And are we commanded to give God our first fruits and our firstborn? We are. Once again, we're going to get through some of these, um, some of these commandments here. Um, God wants holy men for himself. Exodus twenty two thirty one. Once again, God wants holy men for himself. Gentlemen, you are good enough. God loves you, and he's asking you to be holy. He would never ask you to do something uh, that you could not do. So he wants us to be holy. Uh, is it okay to raise a false report or be an unrighteous witness? Absolutely not. Exodus twenty three one. No, no, no. Do not give a false report or be an unrighteous witness. Notice this, this, this saying we have uh, today in our culture, fake news. It's fake, not true. Fake news. Um, question number 26. Are we to give back another person's belongings when they are lost and we find them? Yes. Exodus 23, 4. Uh, we could say yes. Uh, interesting, they say, well, the Torah has been done away with. So if you find somebody's belongings, I guess it's uh, finders, finders, keepers, keepers losers, losers weepers. No, nope, nope, it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Pension of Pocchio, me it, there's no, there's No, think about it. If you find somebody's possessions, you give it back to them. Wow, you just did Torah. Was that hard? No. Um, think about that. What year is the land to have rest and be still? Uh, the Shemitah, the seventh year. The seventh year, Exodus 23, 11. Uh, what are we to do on the seventh day? Rest. Exodus twenty three twelve. We wait, are to wait, no, rest. That's, that's the day for for basketball and soccer games and no, no working no. in the I, yard. I don't think so. No, that's that's not what I'm seeing. Oh, okay. I think we should honor the Shabbat. Uh, question number twenty nine is incredible, everyone. I wish I could just go into this for like thirty minutes, but this this particular podcast is probably going to go over. But that's okay. Because oh, it's, it's gone it, over. It's going over. <laughs> but it's okay because you know what? We're gonna, we're going to see Mishpatim once a year. 
We have to go over these things because it is relevant. Uh, what three feasts are to be kept throughout the year? Exodus 23, verses 14 through 16. What this three feasts? This is going to be uh, Unleavened Bread or Passover, uh, Pentecost or uh, uh, Shavuot, and uh, Sukkot or Tabernacles. Very good. Once again, the three national feast days, you can also find this reference in Deuteronomy 16, 16. So why the three national feast days, Ryan? Because we have eight feast days counting the Shabbat. But these three national feast days actually tell you the redemptive plan of God. I want to share this with those of you that are listening that have never heard this before. Uh, Prophetically, right now, we are currently in the Feast of Shavuot. God is pouring out His Spirit. You know, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's that's Pesach. He, He, of course... Gave us the Lamb of God, Yeshua, who suffered, died, and was buried, rose again. That's, you know, the Last Supper. He's our Passover Lamb. That's right. So, you know, people are becoming born again and coming to the Lord. Uh, This is happening in the present time. And then, of course, uh, the next national feast day is Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. They call it the Feast of Harvest. So what happened on that day? Well... The Torah. Yeah. The Torah was given in Exodus 19, and then Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was given. So, Ryan, this is what's so exciting. God is gathering. He's not scattering. You know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you was Yeshua's cry. This is what I love about the community, Ryan. You can just come through these doors at Beit Tehillah, be a part of a community, be with others, love each other unconditionally, and be a part of this great tabernacle celebration, which is what? It's called the Feast of Ingathering. Why are you running away, you know? I used to watch Wild Kingdom when I was a kid on Saturday, you know, before I even came into my Hebrew roots, got saved and everything. I would watch Wild Kingdom. And Ryan, I would see this documentary on the Serengeti, right, uh, of the African plains, you know. And there's, of course, there's a, a, a group of uh, of gazelle or whatever. They're, they're all together. And one breaks away from the pack. Ooh. And you know what you call that? Lunch. Lunch. <laughs> see, we break away from the pack. Because we're offended, we're hurt, we're this, mm-hmm. we're that. Instead of getting over it and getting through it, we end up just even even heaping on more troubles to ourselves. So once again, we are so close, I believe, to the return of the Messiah and to all of us being together. We, we have got to work towards that. So we're going to move on here. Are all males commanded to appear before the Lord three times a year? Yes, sir. Yes, once again, divine order and responsibility. Gentlemen, you are the spiritual leaders of your home, whether you're laid back whether you're out going, you are the man. You got to say that to yourself. I am the man. I am and you the are. Man. He's called you to this. He's called you to great things. We're going to keep moving on here. Uh, it says here that uh, uh, Exodus 23, 25. What does it say, Ryan, in Exodus 23, 25? Uh, 23, 25 says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Amen. A lot of us are challenged with sickness, but we believe there's a healer in the house. Yeshua HaMashiach can only slow you down. It can't stop you. But we do believe there's a healer in the house. And moving on here, uh, uh, were the children of Israel commanded not to make covenants with the other inhabitants of Canaan? Question number 35, Exodus 23, 32. uh, Were the children of Israel commanded not to make covenants with the other inhabitants of Canaan? Yes, they were commanded not to. So why do we have the Oslo Accords? Why do we have any kind of a, a peace agreement or a covenant uh, with the other inhabitants of the land of Israel when they were told clearly in the Torah not to do it? So uh, there were some people that were commanded to come up to the Lord. They were Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders. Once again, 70 means the nations. It's the number for the nations. So think about this. So so the world was represented. The nations were represented through Israel. So Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, 70 elders. Now, 
who was the only person who could come near the Lord? Uh, Moshe, Moses. Exodus 24, 2. It was Moshe. Now, here we go. We're continuing on in the marriage covenant, the Mosaic covenant. Did the children of Israel answer with one voice to do all the words that the Lord said to do? Yes. Yes, Exodus 24, 3. Yes, uh, they said, I do, and we did. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Moses builds 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And then uh, question number 40, what two different offerings did the young men of Israel present before the Lord? Burnt offerings and peace offerings. Once again, Exodus 24, 5, question number 40, they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings for this particular marriage. Isn't that incredible? A burnt offering is totally consumed, which is a picture of us. And, of course, we know that peace offerings are really the only offering that we get to partake of or eat. It's a barbecue. And what you do at a wedding, you have a celebration because there's a party going on right here. A celebration to last throughout the year. Come on, somebody. So, so think about it, everybody. Peace offerings. God has blessed you so much that you have a party with people. You bring them in and you share this with them. Because a peace offering, you get to eat with your family and your friends. And then you're able to share your blessing with others. And when they ask you, why do you have this peace offering? Why do you have this excess? Why do you have this blessing? Because I keep the commandments So the of Levites were the God. original pitmasters. I'm telling you what, barbecue, God invented barbecue. Amen. So once again, question number 41. What did Moses sprinkle on the people, Exodus 24, 8? And this is very symbolic, the blood of the covenant. He sprinkles the blood of the covenant on the people. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Mm. Life of the flesh is in the blood. So Yeshua shed his blood for us. Yeshua, he shed his blood for us. And that blood gives us atonement. Uh, question number 42 who saw the God of Israel and ate and drank in his presence? Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders. Wow. Exodus 24, verses 9. 11. What would we call this, Ryan? A theophany. Because mm -hmm. it says nobody has seen the face of God right. and lived. But we know that God paid a visit with the two angels, with Abraham, had lunch with him. You know what I'm saying? Could this be Yeshua? You know, all I'm saying is that it's a theophany. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So Exodus 24, 12, why don't you read that? That's a powerful verse. It is powerful. So Exodus uh, 24, 12, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee uh, tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Exodus 24, 12, that is awesome. Now who was the minister to Moses? Joshua. Joshua the Ephraimite. Come on, everybody. Do we have some of the nations coming back, which represents Ephraim? You're not Jewish, but you're drawn to the things that are Jewish. That's right. Chances are you could be Ephraim. You could be the nations returning back. That's the prophecy, folks. The fullness of the Gentiles are coming in. Who did Moses put in charge before he went up in the mount to receive the commandments of God? It's Aaron and Hur. Aaron and Hur. Isn't that interesting? You know, Aaron and Hur. And how long did the glory of God cover Mount Sinai? Exodus 24, 16. Uh, for six days. Six days. Now, what took place on the seventh day, Ryan? Uh, Exodus chapter 24, verses 16 through... Let's go ahead and just read this, because, man, this is like <laughs> it is an good incredible, stuff. That's right. incredible opportunity. And, 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 and Let's do it. This is, this is the last uh, couple of verses in the, in the Torah portion. It says, 
And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So imagine that the people are seeing Moses enter into the presence of God, and they know that he's right there communicating directly with God. Um, how, how awesome is that? And that's why uh, you know the Torah says that not a prophet uh, was was known uh, higher than Moses because God, he, I mean, he spoke directly with God uh, right there on the mountain and received God's commandments for the people and led them through the most difficult time uh, in their history up to that point. And so, uh, thanks for listening, guys. This is the end of Mishpatim ordinances. And uh, as always, you guys can communicate with us uh, directly either through our website by going to the Contact Us tab, uh, through email at info at topraise.net, or by calling the office 813-654-2222. And whatever country you're in, thanks for listening. We hope that you guys share this with your friends. Uh, praise God for all of you, and, uh, and praise God for, for his, his word that encourages us and instructs us. Uh, thank you guys. Have a great week.